You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. And belly up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris. His name is Ed. This is Socks in the Basement. Now, side-by-side with Socks on 35th. Make sure you check out everything they've got at SocksOn35th.com. All these articles that they have, the analysis, the breakdowns, uh, the minor leagues. Rule 5 draft just happened. I'm sure there'll be somebody covering that. Okay, probably by the time this episode has come out, there's already been something on the fact they had the minor league Rule 5 draft. The White Sox actually selected a player in the first round and passed in the second round. So they went out and got themselves a 22-year-old middle infielder who plays shortstop by the name of Moises Castillo, who has to go to AAA now. He has not played at that level yet. And guess what? He was terrible last year at AA. And so that's probably why he was available in the Rule 5 draft. So, I mean, like, like this, what you're doing here is you're grabbing somebody else's junk and you're hoping that all of a sudden it starts to shine. Right. And that's, and that's all the Rule 5 draft is, is there's a guy that I like that this team doesn't like anymore. And in the minor league version, it's let's move organizational depth from one area to the other. So unfortunately, I think Rick Hahn's pulling a middle infielder from somebody else's double A squad going, yeah, but that's because I don't have anybody who can actually play the middle infield in Charlotte. I guess I should probably fill that roster out too. Nothing very exciting. What is exciting though, Ed, is that during this time of year, you can go out and you can schedule right for the moment that everything thaws out. Your work that needs to be done in your basement, your foundation, uh, you got to get the sump pump taken care of. You know, some people have their sump pumps just empty right out on the side of their house and it all freezes up in the wintertime. You know what can help you with that? Family waterproofing solutions, anything from bowing walls to cracks in the concrete, the foundation. Uh, You got water, you got seepage, window wells, you name it. They handle it. Schedule your services now and mention socks in the basement and you get money off. Give them a call. They're available 24-7, seven days a week, 708-330-4466 or see all they have to offer at FamilyDry.com. So, Socks on 35th has a ton of people that write for them. Uh, Since we're working side-by-side with them now, uh, we are going to have one of those writers on for the first time. Noah Phelan going to be joining us very shortly to talk about an article he wrote this week for the website uh, concerning targets the moment the lockout ends He's talking trade targets, so we're going to talk with him. But the White Sox are making some moves right now, and they ha- they can make minor league moves because it's only major yeah. league players, only 40-man guys that are locked out. The minor league guys, you can do all you want to with them, and they have signed three guys in the last week to minor league contracts. One of them is interesting to me, and his name is Yaxiel Rios. Uh, and let me tell you just a little bit about Yaxiel. He's already 28 years old, all right? Like, this is not a young guy that they went out and signed. No, that's 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 middle-aged for Yaxiel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he has had his time in the major leagues and not done very well. All right, since the moment he entered in 2017 at the age of 24, we're talking about a guy who had a whip somewhere between 1.4 and 1.8. Like, just brutal. He puts guys on base. There's a, there's a reason he's available for a minor league contract. You're not getting anything great. But he had a short, just a couple of games in 2020 in the shortened season, and he had a walks and hits per innings pitched uh, of 1.250. And then last year in 2021, between two teams, 
he had a 1.224, and that was over 23 games and 27 innings in relief. The hope of the White Sox right here is maybe there's something. Maybe as he's getting older, there's something. He's like one of the last guys on your roster. He's one of those guys that's coming in mop-up maybe. He's one of those guys that you can pitch when, you know, you're trying to build a bridge because somebody, you know, one of the starters has a rough start and he comes in. He's not a back-end bullpen guy, but you're grabbing an arm there because you might need arms as the 2022 season goes on. Well, and the the minor league free agents is sometimes where you find those bullpen pieces, right? It's guys that are on the fringes, guys that have arm talent but haven't harnessed it in some way, shape, or form, or there's something. And, and I think a lot of times teams will sign them based on the idea that, hey, look, this is somebody that Ethan Katz can fix. Not that other teams are thinking Ethan Katz can fix him, but the White Sox are. So you're signing him, one, because kind of like the second base Rule 5 draft, you know, you're you're filling out some minor league depth because you have to have those positions filled. You have to have the teams loaded up. But also, yeah, there's this is a guy that comes to spring training. I mean, the, the minor league free agent guys that they signed last year uh, Mike Wright Jr. was one of them, and he ended up pitching down the stretch in, you know, not huge high leverage roles, but he was there in the White Sox bullpen. He was he was out there, and he's a guy that was filling a starter's role in Charlotte and, you know, might have pulled starting duty if the Sox had had, you know, a real huge need for it, which they didn't because they would just elevate Kopech for a few innings and things like that. These are good moves. It's, it is nice to see that Rakan is continuing to at least try and identify some some of these deep depth pieces and you know, you're throwing darts at minor league free agents, but sometimes that's where you catch lightning in a bottle. The minor league rule five draft old friend alert in the second round. Carson Fulmer gets selected by the Dodgers. Really? Carson (laughs) Fulmer still bouncing around out there. And now the Dodgers will take a shot at him. (laughs) Like, like, so teams need arms, you know, you you need to have arms. And, And I guess that brings me to something we didn't get to finish last week. And that was going through these things on uh, CBS Sports with Fantasy Baseball. We talked about position players, you know, a couple different positions. We never really got into the the starting pitching. And I found it really interesting. They ranked on uh, CBS Fantasy the top 40 starting pitchers in Fantasy Baseball for 2022. Four of them White Sox starters last year. One of those are Carlos Rodon. So he's not a White Sox starter. And I, I still believe... Like, even the guy we're talking to in a few moments here, Noah Phelan from Sox on 35th, about targets after the lockout is over, he's got Carlos Rodon on there as a possibility. I mean, it's way down the list, but what if they bring him back? I don't think so. I think the buzz around the Yankees right now with Carlos Rodon is, I don't think, uh, that makes me think Carlos isn't coming back. Now, looking at this list, though, Sox have three guys right now going to be in the rotation next year. And think about this. This is amongst every Major League Baseball team This is the top 40 players that they think are going to perform. And we're talking in fantasy sports. We're talking that means they're getting innings. They're getting strikeouts. They're not walking as many guys. uh, They're getting wins. Not giving up hits. Right. I mean, they're going to have a low whip, walks, hits, and innings pitch. They're going to perform very well. They're going to have a low ERA. These are your high-end pitchers. That's how they score points in fantasy. And I, I think that this is a great way to take a heartless look at players and see what do you really have compared to other players around Major League Baseball. The number 12 guy in all of baseball, Lucas Giolito, is projected out in fantasy baseball next year to be the 12th best pitcher 
in fantasy baseball, higher than Kevin Gaussman, Charlie Morton, Chris Sale, Jack Flaherty, Clayton Kershaw. I mean, he's he's sitting in a pretty good spot. Here's what they wrote about him. I'm wondering what you think about this. So sitting at number 12, Lucas Giolito, it says the next step may not be coming for a guy who has delivered an ERA in the mid threes, uh, three straight years, and still hasn't made it to 180 innings. He has a high floor and will miss plenty of bats. They're basically saying, this is it. He may have peaked right here. He may never be elite. Now, the 12th best pitcher in all of baseball, when you think of the amount of teams in Major League Baseball, that's still pretty good. That's that's pretty elite still. Right. Yeah. But if he wants to be a superstar, something else has to happen. Do you think he still has that in him? Uh, well, yeah, I do think there's another way for Lucas Giolito to go because... He can still do the thing that a lot of pitchers do, which is where they they go from trying to strike every guy out to learning how to take certain batters and just get past them with minimal damage or with, you know, a ground out or a fly out. You're trying to induce contact from certain guys instead of striking everybody out. I think Giolito still goes out there and tries to blow everybody away. And that not to say that he is relying solely on his fastball, but he's just a strikeout guy. And that's what he wants to be. And strikeout guys don't have the most efficient runs. So I do think that Giolito can learn how to get to the later innings still and become a guy that hits 180 innings, still gets his Ks and gets more wins as a result because he's going deeper into games. Although he might also get you know a few more losses in there because he goes deeper into games. But that's something that I think, you know, if you're talking about like the effect of Lance Lynn on a, on a uh, pitching staff and a veteran like that, that's something that Lynn can show Giolito how to do if Giolito's willing to do it and willing to learn how to leverage his pitches that way. Lance Lynn, only four spots back at number 16. We don't really need to get well, into him. We that. know what Lance Lynn is, but think about that. Two of the top 16 pitchers in all of baseball projected next year in fantasy performance are White Sox pitchers. So we we have a pretty good top end there. The other one, though, that I really love seeing there, especially because I acquired him off of your fantasy baseball team, and he's the uh-huh. number three starter next year, I think, even if you uh-huh. go out and you pick up a pitcher, is Dylan Cease, 39, still in the top 40 pitchers projected out to perform statistically in 2022 in fantasy baseball, and they think he's going to continue to climb the list. That's exciting. Oh, yeah, well, and, and that's... You know, you listen to the hype about Dylan Cease in spring training last year. That's what they're saying is, is that take this guy's stuff and let him learn how to pitch instead of just throwing it up there. And you started to see some of that last year, but he also can take it's another mental leap. It's not a physical leap with him. He doesn't need a new pitch. He just needs to learn how to get some consistency. And if he learns how to be consistent, yeah, I'm going to regret the trade for years to come. But that's okay because once again, I'm bad luck for White Sox in fantasy baseball. So if Dylan Cease wins the Cy Young under your custodianship, I'll be happy for you. I will just owe you money is the problem because I will probably have lost you. So <laughs> there are several other pitchers on this list that our next guest believes could be realistic targets the moment the lockout ends. This is Socks in the Basement. Found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. One of the best places to watch a White Sox game is Cork and Carry at the Park. It's a great place to go beforehand, during the game, after the game. Incredible food, ballpark menu, great prices, big bar, lots of options, craft beers, rotating taps, and it is a Southside tradition right there in the shadow of the ballpark with indoor and outdoor seating. Now, during the offseason, you're like, outdoors? 
there's no ball games. Don't worry about it. They're still serving food there. They still are a great neighborhood bar. But then also they have that location in Beverly. The one right outside the ballpark, 33rd in Princeton. It's the place to be when the White Sox get back into town. But the other location in Beverly, perfect for this time of year, a traditional Irish pub. I go in there, I get the Guinness, they put the little shamrock in the top of it. They've got rooms you can rent out for your different holiday parties. Uh, They've got just a great location. It's a classic Irish bar. It's so much fun to hang out at 10614 Southwestern Avenue at the original Cork and Carry. Learn about everything they have to offer there and maybe bump into one of us because we frequent it. All right, go to Cork and Carry. So unless you've been living under a rock, you know that Socks on 35th and Socks in the Basement are working in unison now. You can get the Socks in the Basement podcast at SocksOn35th.com. They've got incredible articles and analysis, so much content for you. It adds to what we're doing here at Socks in the Basement. And then, of course, if you're at SocksInTheBasement.com, you can link right up with what they're doing. And uh, one of the things that we get to do now because we're working with Socks on 35th is talk with their incredible team of writers about articles that they've just recently put out. Noah Phelan is on the line with me right now. How are you, Noah? Hey, Chris. I'm good. How are you? Awesome, man. Uh, you wrote this article, uh, which gets me ready for the lockout to end, and God, I hope it's soon. Uh, but you broke down some guys that you thought were realistic targets for the White Sox. And, and I think that you and I and everybody with a half a brain who's a White Sox fan understands there's three real needs they have. I mean, like, you could throw in another bullpen addition. You know, you might want to tweak something, but you definitely need to work at right field. You got to find a second baseman. And I think everybody understands you have to have a starting pitcher. And so you kind of started to break it down. And if you don't mind going through it a little bit, one of the things that I noticed right away that jumped out at me was after you said in right field, Michael Conforto, which I think uh, James Fox was just recently on this show. And he said, I think that's their target. We've heard a lot of other people come on this show say, I think that's their target. But if they don't get him, Kyle Schwarber and Jack Peterson, uh, how realistic do you think those guys are as the backups? And which one do you think they would probably lean towards? Obviously, Michael Conforto is uh, the best of those three players overall. And I think, along with a lot of other Sox fans, that Michael Conforto should be their number one priority coming out of the lockout. But, you know, we've missed on some free agents in the past. And so there's definitely that possibility that, the asking price gets too high or that Conforto just chooses to go somewhere else. And so I wanted to look at a couple other options. Kyle Schwarber is a guy who I'm not sure positionally uh, his fit on the roster. He's an improving defender, but he's still not great. And guys like Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets are kind of the same player as Kyle Schwarber. The main difference being Schwarber is a left-handed hitter who crushes right-handed pitching. And that is something that the White Sox lineup lacked last year. And Kyle Schwarber is coming off the best season of his career. He had an OPS over 900, and he hit 32 homers between Washington and Boston. I think everybody remembers that just insane stretch that he had back in June, I think, where he was hit something like 14 homers in 11 games or something like that. I can't remember specifically what it was, but it was just an insane stretch that he had. So I love adding his bat to the lineup. The White Sox have not been among the teams mentioned for Schwarber, but we do know that the White Sox like to work in quiet, so maybe they are in on him and we just haven't heard about it. Uh, Jack Peterson is the other guy, and the White Sox have been linked to Peterson in the past, which is why I see a fit there. It wouldn't surprise me if Rick Hahn goes and revisits the Jack Peterson market and 
gives them another chance to make the decision to come here. So now you look at second base, and I know you know you believe right field is the number one thing. Jordan Lazowski, that's over there at Sox on 35th, been on here a bunch of times. He always tells me right field, we got to get right field, we got to get done. I I am just unabashedly unapologetic that I believe second base is the thing that needs to be fixed because you don't have a real option at second base. Now, you go into the whole thing for Segura, and we've talked about that ad nauseum here on this show, but you come up with another option, and it's with the Oakland A's. Tony Kemp, he's 30 years old, 800 OPS and 330 at-bats in 2021 as you go into it, and can flash a glove from time to time. You know, you're not going to get a young guy with all that potential of Mandrigal, but you're going to get a guy that can go in there and is going to be an upgrade at that position. Is he the guy? Would you rather actually have him over Segura? Are you leaning towards Segura because that's what all the buzz is? Well, I think it's no secret that the market at second base is much thinner, and that is the one area where I may be a little bit disappointed that the White Sox weren't in on the early action. Now, looking at the contract that Marcus Simeon got, Personally, I don't think that was worth it. I would not have given Marcus Simeon that kind of a deal at 31 years old. But Chris Taylor's four years for $60 million, I think, was realistic. Ken Rosenthal did report that money wasn't the driving issue, that Chris Taylor wanted to be back in L.A. And obviously, if that's the case, there's nothing you can do about it. But with those two off the board, the free agent second base market is very thin. So you have to look to the trade market. Tony Kemp, a lot of people probably haven't even heard of him before. He has kind of bounced around the league. He was with the Cubs before. He's been with the Astros. He's probably been with a couple other teams, um, and he's never really stuck anywhere. But, I mean, he had an 800 OPS. Granted, it was limited limited playing time, but I remember watching a couple of his highlight reel catches last year, and I was like, you know, it was a name that I hadn't really heard around all that much, and he's kind of an interesting player, and I think – uh, I know we'll talk about starting pitching in a second, but I think that potentially if you're making a deal for maybe one of the A's starting pitchers, you could try and get them to throw Tony Kemp in there too. He's a he's a candidate on a team that, you know, has a history of selling and has made it clear that they have to look to clear cap room this offseason. I think putting Tony Kemp out there at second base every day would be better than what's on the roster right now. So it might be something worth exploring. All right, and you mentioned, and I, I don't want to read your whole article here, but you give a, a, a bunch of different options for starting pitcher, including the possibility that they still bring back Carlos Rodon, although I think, I mean, you look at the buzz around the Yankees, I feel like he's going to get paid and he's going to be a Yankee. But you do talk about these A's pitchers, and since you brought it up there talking about Tony Kemp, uh, let's talk about guys that are possible candidates. I, this is not the first time I've heard somebody suggest that the White Sox could be trying to work out a deal for an A's pitcher. I've heard Sean Manea mentioned on this show and in other places. You also put Frankie Montaz and Chris Bassett into that, and you believe they could go after at least one of them and go and get them. If you had your druthers, which one of those three do you think is attainable that we have enough to actually make a deal to get and that you'd want on this team? I think the answer is Sean Manaya. Sean Manaya is in the last year of his contract. He is a left-hander. I think that with Dallas Keuchel having a rough year last year and Carlos Rodon most likely leaving in free agency, I think a lefty is important. I mean, you you can't necessarily count on a on a bounce back from Dallas Keuchel, and so you need to get at least one lefty that you can count on in that rotation. And if Keiko does have a bounce back and then you've got two good lefties, like that's even better. But I like Manaya. I think because he's got a one-year deal, he's not going to cost as much as someone like Bassett or Montas would. 
his ERA was 395-ish last year. He was very good at the beginning of the season. He kind of tapered off a little bit, but the stat that does stick out to me was his fifth, which is like 360, which means that he probably pitched a little bit better than his ERA shows. And so I think if you give him uh, the White Sox lineup behind him, I think uh, he'll rack up the W's in that rotation next year. And it'd be nice to slot him at number three, maybe number four, depending on how Dylan Cease does next year. Yeah, I like him. I think he's a good pitcher. I've liked him for a long time. You threw in some other guys from the Reds. There's a lot more information in this article. If you want to read the entire thing from Noah, check it out. It went up a couple days ago and is still available at SoxOn35th.com. Noah Phelan, I appreciate you jumping on your first appearance here on Socks in the Basement, and hopefully we'll have many more down the line. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Chris. It was a good time. You know, I get muscle aches all the time. I've gone from being able to do whatever I want to and not feeling any pain to basically getting pain for any kind of physical activity. Good news, there's a local family-owned Southside business that provides a CBD topical that will not break the bank. Creaky Bone Balm offers concentrated relief for creaky bones. It is an effective hemp-based CBD in a rejuvenating balm. And guess what? It's made in small batches always free of preservatives and all natural ingredients. It's great for muscle aches, tension, inflammation, joint pain. You can even use it for skin ailments like burns and dry cracked skin. Right now, go to creakybone.com and use the promo code BASEMENT. Get 20% off your order. And now check out the new 2,500 milligram balm with reduced pricing on their classic balms right now at creakybone.com. So what did you think? Because the thing that stuck out to me in that interview is, and, and reading the article from Noah, was that if you don't get Michael Conforto, who again, I have no problem with him. I just thought their target should have been one of these big second basemen because you have guys that can go out and play in the outfield right now and you don't have anything that I'm happy with that you could plug in a second base if you strike out on anything. But right now, after Michael Conforto, we're talking about guys you might be platooning. Schwarber and especially Peterson, you might be platooning. And right now I could put together a group of uh, a platoon players, right? Well, the popular theory amongst people is that you would platoon Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn, right? Although you could also say that one of those guys is going to be the DH and, and you might be platooning sheets with Adam Engel. Don't forget about Adam Engel, okay? Please, yeah. because he's not dead. He had a rough time with injuries next year, but I'm assuming he's coming back at full speed. And I still think he's a ball player. And I, I, I said it before last season. I'll say it again now. I wouldn't be too terribly upset with him playing in right field more often than not. Yeah, you can come up with a platoon. And, and if you're going to sign Jock Peterson you're basically saying that you don't think Gavin Sheets is good enough because they are, at least in theory and how they're viewed, the same player. Although, I don't even know that you want to talk about Andrew Vaughn in a platoon. I don't think you need to talk about Adam Engel in a platoon because he did very well against right-handed pitching the last couple seasons. And Vaughn is, is supposedly this talent that is going to transcend being a righty or lefty and just be able to hit everyone and anyone, right? That was the idea of what he was coming out of college. And the one that everybody assumes you have to platoon based on the way he was handled last year is Gavin Sheets, but I'm not even sure that he is absolutely required to be platooned because his minor league stats tell a different story. Yeah, I know, but I mean, he 
in his in his short stint in the majors and the way that they used him, they obviously just believed he can only hit one side. Well, here's the thing, though, about that. You know, everybody's saying that, but he had 19 plate appearances total against left-handers last year. That's that's nothing. 19 plate appearances. And yes, the stat line was ugly. It was 111, OPS of 269. He did not look good. And he looked much better and much more comfortable against righties. But 19 plate appearances, you're going to write off this guy who, you know, I don't think has really been given an opportunity to show it. And he's a rookie. And there's a lot of things that are going into his head as he's walking up to the plate. Not the least of which is, if I don't hit this lefty, I may never see another left-hander again, and I'm going to be stuck in platoon hell for the rest of my career. So I don't think the pressure was exactly off in those situations for Gavin Sheets, who has done, like I said, he's done better in his professional career. You got to remember, he's a rookie who got limited playing time last year. And you know what else bothers me is, again, once you get past Conforto, I'm not improving the defense. And that's something we've talked about since the moment this season ended, is that I need Correct. to improve that. And again, I, I'm sorry. If I want to improve the defense and I want a guy that does basically league average from both sides of the plate in terms of his OPS, I believe Adam Engel can do that if he's not dealing with an injury. I saw a lot out of him in 2020, and I saw a lot of changes in him in him in 2019, and you'd be improving your defense. So I feel like Peterson being a name that, well, the Sox went after him, so probably they'll go after him again. They should look at the guy that they have and say, well, wait a minute, do we have enough other guys that can go out there in the right field, including Engel, and then Sheets, and then if you want to put Vaughn out there, why would you add Peterson at that point? Because I don't know if you're getting that much more value out of him. All right, listen, do not forget that the $1,000 guest bounty is still going on here in Sacks in the Basement, okay? Uh, we've had a little bit of a lull. We were busy kind of getting things set up with Sacks on 35th and and that whole thing that we did, uh, you know, getting together with them. But it's still going on. It's brought to you by Elite Benefits of America. Butch Zemar wants to help your small or mid-sized company get better insurance at a lower rate. Even if you've already taken care of it for this year, you can get started on next year right now. Get a jump on it. Uh, it is a year-round thing, folks, okay? You can impress the boss. You can save money for not only the company, but for the employees and give them great health care. Visit him at EliteBenefits.net. He's giving away $1,000 to the best off-season guests that we've never had before. Ed is aware of a name that we have gotten a yes from, and we are waiting on a time and a date from. Yes. That is going to be really, really cool. And yet now I'm just sitting around going, wait for this to fall through. And then I'm going to sound like an idiot for bringing it up. But like, I mean, <laughs> thing. but it could happen at any time and be anybody as far exactly. as anybody's concerned. And it could be anybody. I mean, remember, could be an actor, could be a singer, could be, could be, you know, a, a public figure of some sort, could be somebody who's playing baseball right now could be somebody who is a front office guy could be absolutely anyone but I think it's cool like if you thought that our last one in the guest bounty David Sampson was was really high up and you might not be able to beat it or who's going to be able to beat it this one right here give it a shot man and and, and remember you got to shoot your shot right because the guy who brought us David Sampson is not like David Sampson's nephew or something like that where, where he's calling in a personal favor he just Asked the guy, he said, check out this show that I really like, and I want you to be a part of it and do this guest bounty, and David Sampson obliged him. So take a shot. I actually had a conversation with a listener who has some interesting names in his phone, and I'm like, throw them a text because if they say yes, you are $1,000 richer. You understand this, right? I think that people aren't sure how this is going to work. Trust me, the money is real, okay? Butch Zemar at Elite Benefits of America, he's real. 
We're real. Yes, he is. He's a real human being. Right. Socks on 35th has, con- has, has convinced you that we're real. All right. This, this, that you're getting a real thousand dollars here. So don't miss out on it. Uh, and what else are we going to do during this stupid lockout? Okay. Which I'm trying my hardest not to talk about because I, I don't want to talk about these idiots. I don't, I don't want I don't want to. I don't want to talk about these owners. I don't want to talk about these players. I don't want to focus on it. I don't care. I'm already sick of what MLB Network is doing, just replaying Yankee games that were great. Like, like it's funny. They're like, they're doing like historic baseball games and like, or I get like a, a baseball movie that's cut up terribly. It's annoying to me. You know, I know you're locking out the players, but you really had to lock out everybody on the MLB Network. Like, I don't get one <laughs> thing about baseball during this. Like, I, I don't know who is thinking of these things over at Major League Baseball, but Somebody else needs to think of something because that just, it's an, I mean, right now, is it on us? Is it on us right now, Ed? Is it on Socks in the Basement and podcasts like us to keep baseball alive because those that actually benefit from baseball and make the most amount of money aren't interested in it? They're just taking the next month or so off? I, I don't know. Maybe we got to pull out MLB to the show and, and throw Michael Conforto and, and a good second <laughs> baseman on the squad. I'm not and, doing it ever again. And, I'm not and doing see it. how it goes. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing any more fake baseball games. I'm not even thinking All about right. it. Yeah, and and I don't I don't want to talk about the CBA anymore. I mean, honestly, if you go to Socks on Thirty Fifth, you can read my blog on what I think of the CBA. I forgot you were writing for them. I, we how we forced that down their throat. We were like, ah, oh, you can have the podcast, but you got to take Ed's blog too. Oh yeah, well you know <laughs> they um, were very reluctant. I had to badger them for how many days to give me the uh, the log on to be able to post. So socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.